Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Dana Nybert. Dana has worked with clients such as American Express, Ram Trucks, Four Seasons Hotels, and Range Rover, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Dana about how he went from a career as an art director to pursuing his passion of photography. I also speak to Dana about his approach to marketing and what has worked for him over the course of his career. Dana specializes in creating imagery for large-scale advertising campaigns, and in this interview, he discusses some of his most memorable campaigns, such as traveling to Bora Bora by himself to create imagery for the Four Seasons Hotels. I also speak to Dana about a campaign for the Wounded Warrior Project, which is a nonprofit organization supporting U.S. military veterans. Dana Nybert is someone who has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the photo industry, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him. So thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. All right, and now welcome on Dana Nybert. Uh, Dana, man, uh, excited to talk to you. Uh, last week, I put a little uh, thing on my Instagram page just asking people what photographers they want to hear on the podcast, man. I literally had like dozens of people that are like, I want to talk, to, I want to hear from Dana. I want to hear from Dana, man. So <laughs> people, people are going to be excited to hear from you, but I guess to start off, nice. Uh, how you doing, man? It's a crazy year uh, to be a human being, to run a business. Um, but uh, how's kind of work-life balance for you with everything going on, I guess? Yeah, I mean, everything's good. It's definitely a crazy year. Um, I mean, <clears throat> it's probably never going to be like this again. I would think that we're not going to ever run into something like this again. But um, definitely in the world of commercial photography, a uh, tough year. So, but hanging in there and uh you know you definitely got to save up for years like this because uh i've, I've literally worked three times this year um yeah. and all this all this fall like <clears throat> i started off the year kind of slow like mm-hmm. january february we didn't really have any jobs we were just starting to bid on stuff get some traction on stuff and then march hit and uh pretty much the world of production shut down through what like july june july somewhere in there and then i just started shooting in september so and um, like how's that kind of been because like a lot of the work i mean on your website you have like behind the scenes videos people can kind of see the behind the scenes of some of the productions you work on and the type of stuff you do where it's like large-scale advertising it's big crews and a lot of people like how have you kind of had to adjust with the jobs you have shot this year i guess um, you know, we had, you know, so at first we were bidding on stuff and this is like May, June, everyone's like, well, we have to keep the crew small. And even LA was saying, well, in June, I think maybe it's July 15th. I said, so like July 15th, we'll start reissuing permits. Yeah. Um, but crews will have to be 10, 12 people or smaller. And, and so we started bidding on jobs like that. And it's like, uh, at first we started bidding on jobs like that. And, and, you know, because our producers sent, we're saying, you know, we want small crews cause we don't want anybody getting sick. Yep. And we started bidding jobs like that. And, and then we're saying, okay, well, who can we cut out of the crew? Because <clears throat> I guess on any sh- shoot, we're anywhere from 20 to 50 people depends yep. on what we're doing. Um, I mean, it's been as small as three, if I'm just going to go do landscapes and it's just me, a producer and, and like an art director and we go out and cruise around for a couple of weeks, but normally we're like 20 to 50 people. So then we're like, well, who do we cut out? Um, 
and they're saying, oh, well, you know, wardrobe could just shop beforehand and then the talent can dress themselves or they can do their own hair and makeup. But everything kind of was a compromise. And, um, and I think that we now, we know a little bit more about the virus and, and you know, if you're diligent and careful about protecting yourself, you can still work and, and not really, I mean, so far we haven't had anyone get sick on our production yep. on any of our jobs. So uh, we actually didn't land any jobs or shoot any jobs with these 10 people cr- person's crew. And after that, we started saying, all right, well, you know, if had we done those jobs, they would have been compromised um, production wise. You know, if, if they want us to do what we normally do on a bigger job, Mm-hmm. but with a, a quarter of the amount of people, well, something is going to get messed up. Something is going to get compromised. And we said, let's not do that because we're going to compromise the work. Either the work has to change or we go back to what we had before. <clears throat> and actually we have a larger crew now before, because we have a whole COVID like safety Cor- team. Yeah. Safety team. Yeah. You know, and what these guys do is uh, depending on the size of the crew, you have one or two of these people, on your crew and they're taking temperatures they're walking around making sure you know grips aren't making out in the grip truck <laughs> uh <laughs> stuff like that uh you know people are are wearing, are always masked up and, and and you'll hear i'm like hey please put on your mask or hey uh you know when's the last time you washed your hands so yeah um so we've gone back to uh we're shooting with a normal size crew um plus one or two now with the safety officers uh you know in the, in the safety meeting in the morning they come out and they remind everyone what's what's good protocol what you should be doing and um so far we've we've been uh we've been successful and um and and, and it's been working so um you know I, I think it always just goes back to protecting yourself like you always got to watch out for yourself like mm-hmm. Wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from people when you can. Um, and there's certain jobs on the job where people have to be, two people have to be manning a camera or something at the same time. And it's like, yep. I mean, it happens, but um, I think if you're, if you're fairly diligent about being, uh, you know, protective, then I think uh, you should be all right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, with the, in terms of like the jobs that are coming in, are you finding, because as you know, with like advertising, a lot of times you're shooting like libraries of images and there's like so many shots in the day. Are you finding, is it still the same amount of shot lists on these shoots you're doing? Or do you find with the, the COVID and the restrictions, are, are agencies uh, trying to do less or what's kind of, I guess, the overall shot list, I guess, with the stuff you've been working on? Is there any difference you think? It's still the same, uh, you know, work-wise, like, you know, obviously they want to get as much done in a day as, as possible, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we were doing like, you know, one or two shots a day. And now, <laughs> and now we're doing dozens of shots a day. Uh, um, there are times, you know, where we go back to um, one or two shots a day. If it's a lot of production to get one shot done and it, and it needs, you know, half a day for setup and, and you got to wait for a golden hour, then, we are still doing one or two shots a day, but that's not the norm anymore. Now it's like, even if you have that, like while that's being done, then in the middle of the day, you're out running a second set or something and, and shooting. Yeah. So, yep. um, but yeah, the workload is, uh, it's still, uh, we're still doing a lot of stuff during the day. So that's good, man. Dana, Dana's still cranking, man. I like it, man. There ain't, <laughs> there ain't no stopping, man. Uh, <laughs> 
and I guess to go back, man, I was just kind of curious, like where you grew up and like, how did you kind of initially get into photography? So I grew up uh, by San Francisco on the other side of Golden Gate Bridge, a little town called Kent Fields. It's right at the bottom of uh, Mount Tam. It's where Gary Fisher started mountain biking. Wow. So he took, uh, he took a bunch of beach cruisers and they just put big fat knobby tires on it and they would just bomb down Mount Tam. And that's, that was like the birth of mountain biking. So that's where I grew up. Um, so in high school, I mean, I always loved photography. Um, and I think uh, I started using my mom's camera maybe, you know, in high school or, or middle school. <clears throat> it was an old Pentax. Um, it was really nice, but I remember it had no model number on it. So I don't even know what it was, <laughs> but, um, but it, it was that typical Pentax 35 millimeter body. Yeah. Um, but I think either through uh, naivety or uh, just uh, like shitty guidance counselors in high school, I didn't really realize you could make a career out of photography. Cause I mm. figured like, what am I going to be doing? Like, taking pictures of flowers and then like selling prints for $25 or, you know, at the fair, like that's, yeah. that's all I really knew about photography. I was like, I didn't know there was a whole commercial side to it. Um, <clears throat> but I always liked art and design. So I actually went to school for, for graphic design in San Francisco at a call at a school called CCA. Um, so I started out as a graphic designer, uh, art director. Um, I worked for some design firms and then, um, work for some ad agencies and then you know just uh working with photographers you you, you have more fun on the, on the photo shoots than you do sitting in you know as an art director and ad agency 90 percent of the time you're in the office at a desk um yeah. and and uh and, and the thing is agencies like as far as offices and desk go that's like the rock star world because you have like that, you know the decor is actually is usually like really cool you have ping pong tables yeah, yeah, right. and, every agency has a ping pong table yeah <laughs> yeah i mean for the creative department in most ad agencies looks like a frat house kind of you know and then but still like i couldn't stand being out in the in the agency all day um and i always loved shooting so i was shooting on the side you know this whole time through high school college and mm. um and in the first part of my career as an art director, I'm always shooting on the side and I worked for a bunch of small agencies in San Diego. So a lot of times there wasn't a budget for photographers. So it was either use like a type solution stock or shoot it yourself. So there was instances where I was allowed to shoot it myself and I would shoot stuff. <clears throat> and then on a bigger job, I would have a job to bring in a photographer and I'd shoot with a good photographer or work with a good photographer. And I ended up working with Andy Anderson, okay, who's yeah. a huge photographer. Yep. Um, and he did a job for uh, Callaway Golf for us. And, uh, and and up to that point, I always I was shooting four by five only uh, with old Crown Graflexes, um, and that was my jam. Like that's that was the only camera that really like I could. I can make a great image with it. I felt like, like 35 millimeter. It was, it was the spray and pray thing. I would just shoot a bunch of frames, go develop it, have a roll 36 and be like, I hate all these, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't what I was feeling when I was shooting. Same with the medium format back then. Like I just couldn't make it work. So four by five was like, I think it's because it's such a slow process. Um, you know, you're doing one sheet at a time. Um, I'd go out and expose maybe, you know, five sheets or two sheets or one sheet and that would be my whole session like yeah. i'd go back home 
but anyway, I, up until that point, that's what I was using these old antique cameras and um, every other professional shoot I had been on, you know, they had all these fancy Hasselblads and, yep. and, and I'm, yeah. And it wasn't even digital yet. It was yep. like, it was Hasselblad and, and, and um, Mamiya probably st strobes and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and I was all natural light with the crown graphic. Um, so then I work with Andy Anderson and he rolls out on the set and he's got his old crown graphic and he's shooting <laughs> natural light and he's shooting portrait 160 BC, the exact same film as I'm shooting. And he's shooting Polaroids, the same Polaroids that I use. And I'm like, son of a bitch, like, and this guy's huge. Like, and so, you know, we start talking and he's like, well, let me see what you shoot. So he comes over to my house one day after a shoot and he looks at all my stuff and he goes, well, he's like, he's like, if you if you want to be a photographer, he's like, I think you can do it. He's like, the work's here. He's like, just put it into a portfolio and make a website. And um, he's like, go shopping around, see what you can do. And then six months later, I left the agency and I was, I was booking jobs. So. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Cause like when you're like working at, when you were doing graphic design, like, uh, like what kind of stuff were you kind of shooting on the side like looking at your work now it's like a lot of landscape and lifestyle and you shoot like a lot of your clients for car stuff but what kind of stuff were you just kind of shooting for your your own self at that point uh so what i love to do is landscapes um so at that time it was like almost all landscapes and even now like if i'm going to go out and shoot something for myself like i just came back from a road trip and i did a ton of landscapes um which, you, you know, once in a while, you'll get a commercial job where they want a bunch of landscapes, but it's kind of rare. Yeah. So, and that was actually a problem when I first started out. Even though I was booking jobs, I had a whole portfolio and 90% of it was landscapes. Um, stuff that looked beautiful and people really like, wow, that looks amazing. They're like, can we see stuff with people? And I was like, well, I don't have like two shots of people. <laughs> So then I had to build like a whole portfolio of like people. And I mostly use my wife and my kids at that point. Um, because what happens, we'd, we'd bid on big jobs and they're like, oh, we want you to shoot this campaign. Okay, now uh, for, you know, the treatment for the, you know, send over a bunch of samples with people in it. And I'd be like, that's, you have them all. Like you have all four images <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you have them all. So we would lose jobs, you know, because people are like, well, if you don't have, if we can't see what you do with people, we can't give you this job. Uh, it's going to go to someone else. So that's what would happen. And then, uh, and the same thing happened with cars. We're like, people will say, oh, we love your landscapes. We love your people work. Um, shoot cars for us. I'm like, okay. And then we bid on the job. I'm like, okay, show us the car samples. I'm like, well, I don't have any. I haven't shot cars. So then I had to go out and shoot cars and make a car portfolio. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of the start there. Yeah, it's just like building blocks. It takes time to just kind of keep yeah. it portfolio. I'm sure you still, even every year, you're building it and building it and it never ends. Um, yeah. But, but working as an art director seems like that, that must have been an interesting experience because you got a glimpse into like how agencies hire photographers. Like, what do you think you took away from that experience to like what you do now? Because like a lot of photographers just kind of, I don't know, go like I went the assisting route. Like I never worked at an agency or anything. And that was just kind sure. of my route but what do you think you kind of learned from getting to kind of see see how the magic is made i guess from the internal side yeah you you know being an art director i definitely you get to see how the other side of the table works um you know a lot of times you're on set with an art director 
or whoever and um you know they're making decisions you're like well that's kind of that's not a good decision like that's clearly not the better shot like we shouldn't be doing that but the thing is they that person on set has to answer to their boss who answers to their boss to answer to their boss you know there's a creative uh, art director answering to a group creative director and he's answering to a creative director and he's answering to the executive creative director and that so there's everybody knows that they have to answer to somebody and if they've been given an assignment and they've been told what to bring back bring back so um they have to they always have to cover their ass and and that's something like i think maybe some photographers don't realize it's like well, you do want to do the best work, like both parties obviously want to do the best work possible, but um, yep. on the agency side, like they have something they have to bring back. And, you know, I, I definitely understand it. And a lot of times we'll, we'll talk about that and then we'll say, okay, I know you need, you need to bring back the shot of the car, you know, in this setting with this and this, but you and I both know this other shot that we just found over here would be 10 times better yep. so let's let's make it work and and so a lot of times we'll do that it's like you know get, get them what they've promised 12 people they're going to bring back and then go get that other shot that's actually going to be the winner and that the other people are going to love probably even more than the one they asked for yeah um so um yeah just knowing how everything works um, all the politics within an agency, how all that works. Um, I mean, it's good to, to know how it works and to have seen it. And, um, cause I love, I love art directing. I love designing, mm-hmm. but, but the politics within an agency is, is one of the most frustrating things you can really encounter. Um, how, so just like, just like, like who gets to work on what client and what jobs get like picked or like what was kind of, Yeah. Like Sometimes like that, who gets to work on what? Um, sometimes just good work gets killed because some client's wife doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, even the client can love it. And like everybody in the agency and, and the client side, they all love it on Friday afternoon. And then Monday morning, you get the bad news. Like, uh, he showed it to his wife over the weekend and she didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, that's your focus group is the guy's wife and, and like all this great work is being killed because of that. Or because, you know, we used yellow for the type, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's always something stupid like that. And it's like, and you know, and sometimes there's just no recovery on those things. It's like the whole campaign just killed and they yeah. chose this, the safe one because the client's life liked the safe one or whatever. But and it must've been interesting getting to see like how jobs were awarded. Like, like, because I think a lot of photographers, it can be frustrating. Like you, you feel like, oh man, my my work, my work's good, but like maybe I haven't shot for this client, or I wouldn't have won this award. Like when you are an art director and getting to see like how projects were awarded, like did art directors did they care about the awards and all those type of things, or did it just come down to the work, or what what kind of went into awarding jobs? Because like even now it's like sometimes it's just like you never really hear back like you could bid on a job and you never know what really what the choice was you know yeah um so you know there's so many things like that go into that and sometimes it's politics or or whatever but um you know a lot of times agency will want to use you alex they want like alex we want you to shoot this job but 
Bill has shot the job for the past five years and mm-hmm. the client's comfortable with that. And no matter, he may not even be the right choice to shoot this new job, but they're comfortable with him and they've used him 10 times. Mm-hmm. So Bill now gets the job again. And, and the only thing you can do is, you know, be grateful that you are thrown into the mix. And then, you know, maybe one of these times you're going to be the bill, yep. the guy that gets the, get, that gets the job. But um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, it's, it's, there's never a guarantee. And it's a lot of times it's a crapshoot because we've gone into, you know, in the bidding process, you always get a feel of where you kind of stand. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the agency will say, you are the agency recommend. We're going into this meeting full blown recommending you. Um, uh, so we'll talk to you at two. It'll be great. And then they call it two and, and be like, yeah, so and so, the child went to so and so. And you're like, yeah well, what happened? And it's like, it, it, there's just so many factors. Um, some, some clients fully rely on their agency and will will do the recommend and pretty much, you know, do what the agency says. Some agencies are a little bit meeker and will like show three portfolios and be like, which one do you like? Yeah. You know, because, um, because, uh, you know, almost every job has to be triple bid at least. Uh, nowadays it's rare um that someone's just going to call you and be like okay give us an estimate because you're shooting it it does happen once in a while but um Mm -hmm. you know everything's triple bid so um there's never a sure thing i mean it's kind of yeah no it's just interesting and like i get a little more on the art directing thing i guess like was there anything you learned? Cause I would imagine being an art director, you had photographers marketing their work to you, probably sending you promos and you're looking at portfolios. Is there anything you kind of learned that you, you took away from that? You've been able to apply to your own business since this in terms of like showing your work or marketing your work or anything like that. Um, I mean, it, definitely the enthusiasm helps. You know, I remember as an art director, uh, guys would want to work on uh, photographers would want to work on, like we had certain clients that even though we were a small agency, we had Callaway golf and within Callaway golf, we had the Odyssey golf putter mm-hmm. um, account and that job won awards every year. Cause we were able to do good creative. Um, we were always had the budget to hire a good shooter. So I remember, um, you know, photographers would call and if they were in the bidding process, they'd be like, I don't care what the fees are. I don't, I just want to shoot this. Like, let's just do it. Like, he's like, we'll deal with the number. They'll be like, we'll deal with the numbers later. Just let me do this job. I want to do this really bad. Like, yeah. so the enthusiasm definitely helps. Um, and, and nowadays, you know, you have the creative calls at the beginning, you know, the agency calls and talks to either, each of the photographers. So, um, and I'm terrible, like on the phone, like, because I'm usually like, just like cut and dry. Here's kind of stuff. I, I'm not like, I don't have the gift of gab. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not good at, at, at phone stuff. It's why I have an agent. They're really good on the phone. You know, yeah, like, it's a, it's a real skill in itself being able to like communicate your work and what you do. Like, I, cause I yeah. visited some guys. I'm like, damn, man, that's like a real gift, man. <laughs> like, it, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I can be, you know, you can be on a creative, you have a creative call for a concept or an ad that's relatively simple. Yep. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about, but in the calls only been going on for two minutes and it's like, well, 
how do you really convey the enthusiasm and stuff for like, you know, so, um, yeah. yeah, those calls, I guess, are kind of important. Um, and I think they're kind of hard, but, uh, and, and, and they're probably really easy for some guys that like, you know, are really good with the small talk and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, man, yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> and I guess like when you decided you wanted to make the break and go freelance and start your own photography business, like, like how did you kind of make that jump? Because I think a lot of people could relate, you know, maybe they weren't art directors, but maybe they're working some other job and their dream is to be a photographer and they want to make that jump to being a full-time photographer. What was that kind of transition for you? And like, how did you kind of make that leap? I guess. Uh, so I definitely saved up a lot of money. Um, just so uh, when that day came that I could hopefully make that jump. And um, it was also, uh, 2003. So that was like our last big, it was like, it wasn't as bad as the 2008 recession, but it was yeah. definitely a, a bad time. And I know in the ad industry, I think it was like a recession, but it wasn't as bad as 2008. Yeah. So 2003, or maybe, maybe like 2002, 2003, it was kind of bad. Um, agencies were laying off people left and right back then. And <clears throat> And I work for a fairly small agency. And uh, the, the last couple of agencies I worked at were super supportive because they knew that I wanted to shoot. I had one boss that would actually give me like bonuses for like menial, stupid tasks at the agency. He'd be like, hey, if you can organize like a way to back up our files, like, because back then we didn't have like a digital part department, you know, it was just like the art directors were kind of like in charge of like, you know, make sure you back up your files. Like if you can make a way to back up your files, I'll give you a $500 bonus. Cause he knew I, I would use it to go buy a lens. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was really cool about that. And then um, the last agency I worked for, so during this time they're laying off people. Um, they didn't lay me off, but they, they like furloughed a bunch of us. And so basically I was part-time. So I was like half the time. So, which was good because now I could, and they knew I wanted to shoot so I could go, I could book a job and go shoot it. And because I was part-time, it would need me part-time. I could be like, Hey, can I have the next two weeks off? Wow. Because I booked this, I booked this Rite Aid job or whatever. I booked this job and I'm, I'd like to go shoot it. And then you don't have to pay me. It's like win-win, right? They don't have to pay me. I can go get some more commercial experience as a shooter so uh, they're really gracious and be like, oh yeah, take off two weeks, go do it. And, you know, we'll get someone else to cover anything for you. And um, so that, that really kind of, that little recession kind of helped because um, the agency not being slammed and super busy, like I could be gone for two weeks and uh, it wouldn't really, you know, impact them. It would yeah. save them some money. So. No, that's awesome. And like, how are you kind of getting your work out there initially? Was it this kind of like from people you had kind of already known in the business or like, cause I think that's like one of the hardest things for photographers. Like you got this portfolio, but no one knows who you are. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you get it out there? Um, promos. Yeah. So the first thing I did, you know, after meeting with Andy um, was, you know, I put together a portfolio and a website and then uh, I designed a, a promo and mailed it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did like 2000 of them or something. So, cause I knew, you know, being in the agency, that's how I knew, that's how I found photographers, right? You're sitting at your desk the mail comes in, you get all these promos 
um, you see ads in archive magazine. So after that, I was running ads in archive magazine. You see, you see the award show books. That's you, you, you basically thinking ahead, like, how do I find a photographer? Right. Right. So mm -hmm. the promos archive magazine, um, some of the source books, a lot of them are garbage though. Um, you know, we used to get these source books and they would be like this big, um, basically a telephone book and there'll be one for the west coast the midwest and the east coast so you'd have these basically this much and there was 90 percent of it was photographers you just never want to work with so you'd have to weed through that so it's like okay don't go in those source books because those are just giant telephone books that yeah. uh, nobody looks at so so the smaller source books I would get in because there was only like, you know, 200 pages and there's 200 caliber photographers in there. So, yeah. Um, so I, I basically looked at, you know, how I was finding photographers and um, did what I could to get get into those spaces. So what do you think about like workbook and adage and those like pay to play like websites where it's like a directory of photographers? Have you utilized those before and they've, have they been fruitful, I guess? Yeah, I think definitely. At, so I do add edge. Um, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a curated smaller uh, book. And actually the book's only like, you know, yeah. I don't know, four by six inches or something. It's a really, if you go into ad agencies, uh, you look on the art director and the art producer's desk and those little books, they're everywhere. So, you know, they're keeping them and looking at them. Um, if you look at the caliber of the talent in there, it's, it's really good. Yeah, so it's, top, uh, top, it's top tier. yeah, it's a good collection to be in. Um, so workbook I never did cause workbook was one of those huge books. I don't know. I don't know what they are like nowadays, but you know, back then, back in the day, like I remember the workbooks would come in and our, our buyer or the uh, production manager would come around like a workbook and be like, I don't even want it. Just throw mine away. Like I would, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know because it was one of those books that was this big and 90 percent like um so some of the smaller books you kind of have to be selected to get in there yeah so that's kind of a caveat but if you are given an invitation i highly recommend you know looking at it and uh considering it because it's kind of a validation right because um the other guys in that in that small selection are usually top tier guys and and now you you're lumped in with those guys. So yeah, totally. Um, and when, when you kind of made the jump to start shooting, like, did you kind of already have a goal in mind for the type of work you wanted to do? And like, did it kind of take you out to just kind of find your voice as a photographer, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely love landscapes and places and spaces, you know? And um, I mean, that's usually what I get hired for now to do now is like, if it's going to be, people it's going to be people like in a beautiful space whether it's uh you know some great hotel room or you know a beach or whatever or um the same thing with cars it's going to be like a car like on a nice big scenic road or something or um you know like <clears throat> no one's ever going to call me to do like studio work you know like um because i just i'm not good at that so um you know definitely uh like the landscapes and the spaces and places is what i get called in for and like um like early on do you kind of remember some of your first like big campaigns you shot and like was that kind of like a learning curve just going from like art director to manning this ship of like 
a big production? Is there kind of any camp early campaigns that kind of stick out that you remember most is kind of learning a lot from you think? Um, so, you know, there's some photographers out there, especially when you're smaller that try to do everything on their own and try to produce the job on their own. And that's like, it's such a headache. Um, you know, if it was a smaller job here in San Diego, when I was starting out, I would go ahead and uh, produce it on my own because, um, that's all I really knew. And that's what I had to do, especially on a smaller job. There wasn't a huge budget, but once you get into a job, uh, where there's a budget, it's like, you just, you surround yourself with good people. Uh, and, and the first person is the producer and that's the person that's going to run the whole show and, and make everything happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, stress them enough like you have to have a good producer um because they're going to do everything they take care of the client they care take care of you take care of the whole production um they're there to put out all the fires and all that stuff so uh in my first i think my first big campaign was for at&t uh and they were actually singular wireless back then that's how oh, yeah, long ago yeah, that yeah, was I remember that. yeah yeah <laughs> so it was the five bar campaign so that was my first big campaign and we shot, I don't know how many of those we shot, like 50 of them over like a few years. Wow. Um, so the first initial launch campaign, we did like a dozen, we shot them all around LA. Um, and, you know, it wasn't too, too huge of a learning curve for me just because I had been on a lot of productions as an art director. So I kind of knew the flow. Yeah. Yeah, at that time, you know, I knew the flow, I knew what to expect. So, um, but it was, it was, it was, you know, my big first like campaign, and uh, I was so stoked to have that. So, and like you, being that you're, you work commercially and everything, like, do you create work? Like, if you're like, say, I don't know, if you want to work for, like, you've done work for Chevy, are, are you going out and creating work in your book that you can hopefully market to these clients to find jobs? Or is it more you just kind of going out there, shooting your own work, and then hopefully clients react to it? Or, or how do you kind of approach this, the, the balance of like commercial and like artwork, I guess? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you just do what you do. And, people react to it and hire you. Um, like to get Chevy, I never shot any uh, trucks beforehand, you know, to make a fake truck portfolio or anything. Um, um, you know, a lot of people, they just hire you because they want you to do what you do. And um, and that's important to have your personal work in your, in fact, my portfolio, my commercial portfolio, like half the work in it is personal work. Mm. Um and they and the agencies always they always want to see your personal work because they want to know okay given cut you loose on your own with no constraints and do whatever you want to do what's what happens when you do what you do you know not when somebody's looking over your shoulder uh saying yes no yes no they don't really want to see that i mean they have to see that they want to see how you your commercial work but they really want to see like create creativity creatively like um what do you do like what's what can you bring to the table for them so Mm. yeah so it's super important 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like the thing, like obviously I've never met you before. I've just like looked at your Instagram and looked at your website. And the thing that I kind of take away looking at your work, I was like, oh man, this dude Dana, like he has a fun time. Like it's just like these travel photos. <laughs> he's like outdoors. He's like seeing stuff. And I was like, yeah. I imagine there's probably like an aspect to that, like the marketing, like art directors probably look at that and like, wow, this is like you get you get like an emotion from your work. Like it's like a feeling. It's like, oh, man, like it's like going to Shiprock and get, seeing these yeah. places and people kind of respond to it that way a little bit, I guess. Yeah, it's funny you say fun time because we actually have a lot of fun when we're working. Like uh, I made some great friends, uh, you know, over the years, uh, some of these people have become my best friends that I've just worked with. I've just, I basically paying them to be my friends, but, um, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, we, we have a good time because, you know, pre-production is super important. That's when all the hard stuff happens. It's like finding locations, like making all the hard decisions. So, mm -hmm. Um, by the time we get on set, you know, 95% of that stuff is all hashed out and we just have a good time. Um, it's just, and I think it helps with, uh, with clients and, uh, talent, um, cause they'll see how loose my crew and I are and how much fun we're having that within, you know, a half hour or an hour, you know, they know they can be relaxed, both, you know, the talent, like, they, they kind of get into it and they know, okay, these guys aren't you know, like here, like cracking a whip and stuff. I mean, we have a really orderly and well-run set, but at the same time, it's, it's a fun set. Um, and uh, the clients can see that too. And, and we've become friends with a lot of our uh, clients too. So over the years. Yeah. Cause that is, that something you're conscious of like when you're working with a new client that you like, you've never worked with before and like you're, you're running the ship, you're on, you're on the job. Are you like, you're shooting, you're focused on making pictures, but at the same time, are you like in the back of your mind, like worrying about like how the art director is like feeling on the shoot? Are you, are you thinking about this? Like this, the overall, like the, the vibe of the shoot, I guess at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm super collaborative on the shoot. So most of the time I have, whoever's the lead creative is going to be behind the camera with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm constantly bouncing questions off them. Um, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Let's try this or give me a second because this looks weird right now, but in five minutes, you're going to see where this is going. So, um, so they're there, you know, with the camera and the computer and me, and we always have a client monitor going, unless agency's like, we don't want the client to see what we're doing. <laughs> we just want to, we just want to show them a picture like every two hours. Yeah, then, yeah. um, you know, we'll respect that, but, um, everything's very open and collaborative on the set. So I think it makes a lot of people feel real comfortable that, uh, you know, they can see stuff that's progressing. Um, I, you know, I don't keep the art director chained up in the video village and like, you yeah. know, he can, he can only talk to me at once every three hours, or whatever, but like, he's like, he becomes part of our crew. Like, yeah, you know, so, um, yeah. No, no, this is interesting to hear how people kind of handle that stuff. And, you know, one campaign, I was looking at your uh, your website. You've done a lot of work for four seasons, but you did one campaign where you went to Bora Bora. And I was just kind of curious what, what your experience was uh, going there. And on top of that, like, like with that, because when I look at that, obviously – uh, there's a lot of planning that goes into that. What as this like a person that looks at the pictures, I'm like, oh, they just went to Bora Bora and they just kind of wandered <laughs> around and took pictures. But like, what went into like kind of shooting that campaign? I guess. 
so four seasons, um, we did a lot with them. I haven't shot with them recently, but we, we did a lot and um I'll pull it up so people can see it. Oh cool. Yeah, so a lot of uh the four season stuff, um, we would just you we would take the whole crew with us because it's hard you you can't roll into an island in uh the middle of the Indian Ocean and expect to be able to rent grip and find them you know, a wardrobe stylist and yep. stuff like that. So we basically had to take our whole crew with us around the world. Um, and they were great shoots because we would just, um, four seasons was more about capturing the experience than showing what their hotel room and their concierge desk looks like. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of shoots for the, for four seasons where we either a never shot on the actual property or B, if we did shoot on the property, it wasn't to show like that you're out of four seasons. It's is, this, more about is, this, is this is this you in the picture? So yeah, so this is me. <laughs> so this shoot was actually so this Bora Bora shoot was uh one of my favorite because it was actually just me. Oh wow. So so this one, they're like, go here, uh go go, go to Bora Bora, uh hang out for a week and just shoot like no so assist, I, no assistant no nothing no nothing like uh you know they hooked me up with the local uh boat service it's called the lagoon service for bora bora yeah and uh they would just be like what do you want to see today and uh we would just go out and like they'd be like we have these cool like underwater submarine things that these guys do on the other side yeah you want to go check it out so go go check that out and like what else you want to see and Wow, what um, that's a dream job right there, man. This fucking... Yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite jobs. Like we've had a few jobs um where, you know, agencies will just send us out. Sometimes it's just me alone, sometimes it's me, maybe a producer, yeah, and a camera assistant and maybe an art director. And it's like, you know, it's just like three or four of us and we travel the world and just basically go sightseeing. Yeah. Um Yeah, cuz like But yeah, because like on some of those jobs, like I said, like people can go look at you have a cool behind the scenes section, like where it's like tons of grip and tons of crew and there's lots of props on some of the shoots. Like, do you, yeah. do you sometimes on those shoots, do you, do you feel confined? Like, is it kind of feel like with all the gear and grip, does it kind of ever feel kind of overwhelming with all that stuff sometimes? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot of moving parts and, um, and you know, it kind of constrains you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if it's planned out, it doesn't, it's not going to affect you too much. But on a shoot like this, where you just go out and cruise around, uh, yeah. it's, it, it really is just like, you know, shooting from the hip and just going around and just making stuff on the fly and, and being creative and just seeing, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's just a different, um, different way of working. And is yeah. all, is all this is this all in camera or is some of this uh Photoshop like the fishes? Is, is this all in camera? That that shot right there is um composited. So um okay. so basically everything above the waterline is one shot and everything mm-hmm. below the waterline is another shot. So that one is composited, but is uh composite work is that something you've always kind of enjoyed doing with your work? Yeah, I mean um, you know, it's, it, it, whether it's, uh, 
a comp from an art director where certain things have to be in certain places and it's just you know it's logistically impossible to make it happen in camera um so then it happens there and then a lot of times i got the you know just on my own i got a picture in my head and it's like (laughs) wow it it would be better if like that mountain was actually over here so then (laughs) i'll move it you know it's like yeah use the tool use the tools make that art uh yeah and you know another series of pictures on your website that were really amazing. Um, you did a project with the Wounders, Wounded Warriors Project, which is a nonprofit for veterans. Um, I was just kind of curious, um, how was it kind of working on that project, and what was kind of your overall approach with that? That was a, that was an amazing project because you know I've i heard of Wounded Warriors. I mean everybody could have heard of Wounded Warriors before, um, and uh, it wasn't until we went and saw some of these wounded warriors um, and what this organization does for these people and these families is just incredible. Like um, these guys, you know, they go, they go to fight for a country and something happens, something bad happens and they come home and not only does it affect them, but imagine your 30 year old son comes home from Afghanistan and he has to learn to walk again. Yep. Like, as a parent, the parents of these people, the dedication, they, they would quit their jobs. They would revamp their homes for, uh, you know, their 28 year old son who just, you know, basically, you know, when someone's eight, when your kid's 18, you kind of think, okay, empty nest, yep. uh, they're, they're on their own, but now here you are again, like taking care of your son, like they're like an infant again, almost. And, and with the help of Wounded Warrior, Wounded Warrior would go in and, uh, you know, obviously get people wheelchairs or motorized wheelchairs or whatever they need so they can function again. But even their houses, they would, you know, you're taking care of your 30 year old son. Well, he's 200 pounds now. He's not 20 pounds. He's yeah. 200 pounds. So how do you get him from the bed to the bathroom? So Wounded Warrior would go in and read redo these people's houses and put like track systems with like almost like a, you know, a gantry or a pulley, like, so you could now lift your son out of bed and, yep. and get him to shuffle to, to the bathroom or, or to the kitchen to eat breakfast or whatever. Um, so just, that just blew me away. Like what these parents go through um, and then everything that Wounded Warrior does for these families was just like, holy crap. So. Yeah, no, they're pr- pretty powerful pictures, and like, yeah, like you said, it's just so much stress involved with like these guys that are rehabilitating, and it, it's not even just them; it's their whole family. It's a, a lot of stress, but um, an important series of pictures, I think, just to be able to show people, like, like, because a lot of people, you know, you you see the war on the news or something, but then with these pictures, you get to see the actual the result of like the terrible things that can happen when you do go to war. So a very powerful series, man. Yeah. So, yeah. So when the agency called for this job, it was one of the jobs where you're like, I don't care. Uh, I don't care what the fees are. Just let's just go do this. Let's mm-hmm. do it. I want the job. I want to do this. I want to, you know, I just, I want to be a part of this project because it's, uh, it, it just looks so amazing to, to be a part of. So, so you basically just kind of went to a couple of different guys house and kind of spent the day with them pretty much <coughs> kind of photographing their day to day. Yeah. So it had to be, uh, you know, people that were, uh, willing to, to open up their lives to us. Um, and we did it 
over uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we basically just, we hopped on a flight pretty much every day and went to a different city. Wow. So it, it was, uh, and it was a small crew. It was the creative director, um, the account person, uh, my assistant and me. And then we would hire uh, locals in every city to bring some uh, equipment if we needed it and then hair, makeup, uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, still super small crew. And we basically, you know, go to someone's house, uh, you know, document them, uh, find out what they do during their day so we can kind of capture that. And at the end of the day, we'd either get on a plane or drive 500 miles to another city. and do the same thing the next day. Um, so we did that over, uh, you know, a uh, week and a half or so. And it was, uh, it was a ton of work. It was a lot of traveling, but um, it was, it was uh, really like gratifying, rewarding work. Just, you know, yeah, just definitely. to know that you're helping out an organization like that. And um, just, just to see that, like, was, was just amazing. I think. And is, is like the portraiture work something you enjoy a lot? Because obviously the interesting thing about your work is that you do a lot of different things. Like you said, you do landscapes and you do like the lifestyle stuff. And it's like a mix of stuff. Is like, the is there like one that you think you like more than others? Or is it just kind of? Um, I mean, I definitely like the environment. So, you know, whether it's a person or a car in the environment. Um, I mean, that's definitely, I think what I get hired for is, um, people or stuff in environments. So whether it's a, whether it's a room or a, a landscape, I think uh, that's kind of what, what people bring me in for. No, it, it seems like it, it keeps it interesting for you. Cause you like, you get to do a lot of different stuff. You're not confined to like a studio or, or something like that. It's, it's kind of cool looking at your work that you can kind of have this broad scope of things, but it all kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the studio, like, I don't mind being in a studio. It's nice because you get to roll in at like 9 a.m. and <laughs> <laughs> just go to whenever you're done. Because, you know, like when we do location stuff, it's like, well, if it's summer and the sun is, sun is rising at 5.30 yeah. and I want to be shooting at 5.30, that means we are loading in at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. so that everything can be set up and ready to go by 5.30. So, uh yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, the studio life is definitely intriguing. Yeah. yeah I remember but, I, I had a, a photo professor. He said, um, a landscape photographer's best tool is his alarm clock. I was just, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, and even like when I'm on my own, it's like, it's so hard to get up early in the morning to, <laughs> to go out. But like, once you're there, you're like, man, I'm so glad I got it. I did this because like, yeah you know, the light just so perfect and beautiful at those times. And like, if you wait, like, I'll just go at 10. <laughs> oh man, that's how you, you got to do that work. Show up early, man. You get to, that's how you get the good stuff. Right. Um, yeah. A couple more questions. I'll let you go. Um, you know, looking at a lot of your work, you also do a lot of motion work with the projects you're doing. Um, is the motion thing something you, you, you enjoy doing as much as stills? And do you feel like there's this like a, was like there a big learning curve making that jump from being a still photographer to motion, I guess. Uh, so motion is like another thing I've just always kind of loved doing. Um, I, 
I love uh, making the motion. I don't always love making a video project. Um, you know, when you're directing, uh, I'm very hands-on and I like, I like the camera. I like shooting. I like framing stuff myself. Mm -hmm. When you're directing, you can't always do that. I mean, there's a lot of times where you can you be like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to operate. I'm going to be the camera operator as a director. And a lot of directors like Soderbergh and big guys, they do it all the time where they just grab it. Um, so Soderbergh shoots on an iPhone now. All his movies are on iPhone. Which is, I mean, yeah. it's crazy, but it, it's pretty wild. We shoot all our BTS videos on an iPhone. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's like, it's it's easy. Anyone can operate it. We just have it, you know, that little tiny movie, that little handheld movie. Yeah. We just keep that on the, on the camera cart. And like when someone has nothing to do, they just grab it and they do BTS while the rest of us are doing something. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, directing is like, uh, it can be, uh, it can be frustrating just cause, uh, I like to be behind the camera and then also it's just, it's a slower pace. Uh, there's a lot more people involved in a slower pace. Um, uh, you would still, I'm just, I'm constantly just making content like nonstop for, you know, 10, 12 hours. Do you feel like direct. a lot of the jobs you're doing now are, uh, you're doing stills and motion on the same campaign usually? Yeah. A lot of our jobs are, uh, you know, both, um, you know, it, it really blew up like a few years ago um, where everybody was like, we need to get motion too. And it was funny because they really had no use for it. They had no place to put it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it kind of died down when we were doing that motion, but then it ramped up again, you know, maybe two or three years ago because they all figured we can put it on Instagram. That's what we're going to do with all this motion assets is we can make little five second Instagram clips out of it. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, I definitely love the motion. It's fun. Uh, we get to play with some cool toys too, uh, when you're doing the motion. So, um, yeah, I saw yeah. you did you did a campaign. It's people can look at it again. I keep saying it. The behind the scenes stuff on your website's awesome. Uh, oh, thanks. You shot this like I think it was for Chevy Silverado or something. But you guys have like this rig that's fucking crazy. There was one that was like rigged on like a Porsche Cayenne, and it's like a huge like I don't even know what you call. Oh, it. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. What was it like? Like, how do you even get to learn to like use that? Like, cause it's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, cause it's just like this huge rig it's used for like movies and stuff. It's basically, I mean, yeah. maybe you can describe it better than I can what it is basically. Yeah. So that's our arm car. Um, you know, there's four or five different companies out there that have them. Uh, and they call the arm car. It's basically a giant arm that can swing around and uh, go up and down and, and get all those angles. So uh, it's, it's really efficient. Um, and you put it on a, a, they usually put them on like a Cayenne turbo or a, uh, the, the Mercedes, the AMG, mm -hmm. uh, just so the car has enough horsepower and handling to keep up with whatever you're filming. Um, because that's, it's a heavy rig on top, but um it's pretty amazing. Um, and as, as a director, um, you know, you're operating the gimbal on that. So, uh, there's a guy, there's a driver, of course. Um, mm -hmm. there's a guy, the arm operator, he's going to operate, he's going to put the arm wherever you tell him to put it. Uh, you're doing the gimbal and then you have a first AC who's pulling focus and dealing with any camera issues. And then, uh, I like to bring the art director along in there too. So uh, we can usually get five people in that car. Yeah. 
Um, no, it looked like a great time. You're like in the back and you're like, it basically looks like a joystick. You had like this little thing yeah. that you're controlling. I was like, you guys are like <laughs> laughing. It was just like cruising around, man. It, it looked like a pretty fun. Yeah, it's definitely fun. Yeah. And so that, that, I think that shot you're talking, we actually, they put that on a, on a Ford Raptor, mm-hmm. uh, just for when we're in the dirt. Um, and you gotta, you know, you get, you're going through gnarly stuff. It's gotta be able to chase down and keep up with whatever you got, whatever you're filming. So, yeah. And I guess like moving forward, man, like what's kind of got you excited about photography, like anything you're working on currently or kind of anything kind of on your bucket list moving forward, I guess, in terms of your, your, your art and photography. Um, you know, I've been shooting a lot of landscapes lately, like just keeping it simple. Um, so with this whole COVID deal, um, I've just been trying to avoid airports and I I haven't flown since last year, actually. So I've been, I've been driving to all my jobs, which has been giving me an opportunity to shoot landscapes. So, uh, I'll just take the scenic route to wherever I'm going. What's, What's the farthest drive you've had to make so far? Uh, probably I just did Portland and I'm in San Diego. So that's like, I forget if it's 1200 or 1400 miles, something like that. It's a trip. Yeah. So, uh, you know, everything I've shot this year has been on the West coast, you know, this side of the Rockies. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if, if I think if I had to go back East and shoot, I would probably fly, um, you know, just like being on set. I think if you watch out for yourself and, you know, you're careful and you're diligent about, uh, you know, washing your hands and, and wearing your mask and stuff. I think it's perfectly safe to fly. I just, it's just, I try to in limit. this day and time, yeah. yeah, limit my exposure to things that could expose me to the virus. So if I can drive to a job, I'm going to drive to a job, you know, you know, obviously, um, I mean, thousands of people are flying every day. I, I don't know if there's any stats out there that says they're all getting COVID, but it didn't sound like it. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've heard both. I had a buddy, actually, not to be doom and gloom, but I had a buddy that <laughs> production out in San Diego three weeks ago, and like half the crew ended up getting COVID, but they were like, oh, jeez. They were just doing dumb shit, though. Like they were going out, to di- <laughs> they were going out to dinner and stuff. And I was like, Dude, okay, like, yeah. They, yeah, they like they tested negative, which I mean is fine, but it it doesn't. I mean, I don't know, not too much COVID talk, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, you only can do as much you can. We still got to make a living. I'm the same way. Like I'm doing the jobs that come in, and I'm doing the best I can, wearing my mask, and it's just like, uh, yeah, this tough, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough. Yeah, I mean, so I'm driving to these jobs. I take all my food for the trip there with yep. me. So really the only contact that I have with anyone is a gas station. I'm using the gas pump and actually I have a a Toyota Tundra that I use for these road trips and I built a little wash station in the back. Oh, damn. So, (laughs) so I go do all my pump stuff, fill up with gas. I wash my hands, get back in the truck. Hopefully I haven't brought, brought anything back in the truck with me. Um, so I brought in, I bring all my food, so I'm not, uh, uh stopping at restaurants and stuff yeah, like yeah. that and then the the only other contact i have is when i check into a hotel yeah and then i'm, and I'm trying to book hotels that either have contact at contact lists yeah or um are old motel styles where like you park in front of your door yeah, your door yeah yeah 
you know, I'm not like in hallways with other people in elevators. Like yeah. if I can find, find a decent motel, then, uh, so yeah, you're being smart about it, man. It's like it's <laughs> trying. Yeah, I know, man. It's tough, you know, but hopefully come next spring. The yeah. vaccine, hopefully, hopefully we can get back out there, man. Let's get back to normal yeah. life. Man. Fingers crossed, man. Um, but uh, Dana, man, I was, I'm glad we connected. Like, really amazing work you do, man. I can't think Thanks, of man. taking the time. And for people yeah. listening, if they want to check out more of your work, um, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, probably the website, website uh, DanaNibert.com. And then uh, I, I contribute a lot on Instagram. I'm going to post my latest work on Instagram. And uh, when we're working uh, in the story, I've always got BTS going. So yeah, check um, out, like I said, Dana's got the best BTS in the game right now. I, I, but number <laughs> one, man, go check it out. You can learn a lot. But uh, all right, Dana, Thanks, man. man, I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day and happy Thanksgiving. All right. You too, Alex. Take care. All right. Later. So there you have it. That was the Dana Nybert interview. Uh, just want to thank Dana so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, it was really great kind of hearing his journey with photography. Um, just kind of going from a career as an art director uh, to pursuing his passion in photography and all that he's done. Um, really amazing story. And uh, yeah, I can't thank him enough. Uh, definitely go check out Dana's website at DanaNybert.com as well as definitely go give him a follow on Instagram. He has lots of cool photos and kind of behind the scenes um, videos and photos of the different projects he's working on. So you can go find him on Instagram at Dana Nybert. And uh, as always, I'll be having a weekly podcast on Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, so thanks so much for listening and take care.